Thanks for joining us on the Church of the Lakes podcast, where we inspire life, share life, and give life. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at cotlakes.com. We'd love to connect with you. Now, let's go to the message. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Church of the Lakes Online. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. I'm Pastor Mike, and so glad to have you with us this morning. If it's your first time, welcome. We are really glad you're here. Uh, don't know how you found us or what brought you here, or maybe somebody invited you to watch, uh, but we just want you to know you're welcome. And I do want to remind you again, we do have our e-guide. And in this e-guide, you go to cotlakes.com. And uh, on our website, there's there's little bars over here, and you hit e-guide. And this is like everything that you would need. So if you're a first-time guest, you can actually hit on there and fill out a little bit of information for us so that we know that you're joining us for the first time. Small groups are in here. Sermon notes, if you'd like to stop this or pause for a second and print out sermon notes and then come back, you can do that. Um, all kinds of different things that are available to you here. One of the things we're really excited about that our youth is actually doing, uh, youth, our youth is going to do... Uh, a really cool project for Christmas called, you ready for this? Dry Butts. Yes, that's what I said. Dry Butts. And um, I could tell you about it, but uh, let me let you watch this video. It'll tell you a little bit more about the whole project. Good morning, church. As the song says, God is sending out an army to rescue the hurting and broken people in this world. The body of Christ is that army. More than 2,000 children die daily from fecal-related diseases. Tenacious Student Ministries is partnering with Dry Butts this Christmas to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Dry Butts founders Michael and Starla Wall created a diaper that is uniquely engineered for extreme environments where there is no running water or electricity. This diaper is made of a dry fit material and the insert is made of bamboo. The diaper is adjustable and can be used from birth until a child is potty trained. The diaper can be cleaned in a bucket and dries in 45 minutes. Families in need not only receive two diapers, but also information on how to properly dispose of waste and clean the diapers. We are on a mission to help raise funds for the expansion of the Dry Butts Ministry. The Dry Butts has an opportunity to start a new clinic in Honduras, and the need in Haiti is still very real. Every dollar raised will go to support families in need. Will you partner with us this Christmas as we partner with Dry Butts? Our goal is to raise $10,000. You can check out our table in the lobby for more information. Isn't that cool? Like the opportunity that we might have to actually not only save a life because we teach hygiene, uh, but I was telling our staff this week, Look, this as, you know, we can buy a toy for a kid at Christmas and they may have it for a little while, but this, you buy this for a child, you might actually change generations because if that generation learns better hygiene, they'll pass it on to the next generation. So, um, man, pray about being a part of that. Check out what we're doing online and get involved. If God leads you to give to that, that would be fantastic. Uh, last announcement I would give you is November 7th is Veterans Day. We are so excited about the opportunity to honor and love uh, on our veterans that day. So if you have the opportunity to join us live at Leesburg High School, we would love to have you there. If you're a veteran, 
please come. Uh, let us honor you that day. We've got a, a, a whole planned day that I think is going to be phenomenal that you're not going to want to miss. Now, don't forget, it is daylight savings time. So if you don't change your clock, you're actually going to be there an hour early, um, which if you want to get there an hour early, come on down. You can help us set up. That would be fantastic. Uh, just kidding. But we do uh, uh, want you to come and join us on that day if you can. All right, let's jump in today. Today is Fifth Sunday Family Worship. Fifth Sunday Family Worship, what we do is whenever there's five Sundays in a month, we have our children's ministry and all of our kids, we shut down kids' ministry and join us. And so everybody comes in to worship together. I think it's really important for us to do that. I think it's important for kids to see their parents worship, for families to worship together. And sometimes for kids, um, it's it's not so easy, but to learn to sit still. Anybody else like me and you had to sit there in the pew or the seat next to your parents and you got the hairy eyeball if you even like made a move, you know what I mean, kind of a thing. So uh, anyway, we do that whenever there is a fifth Sunday. And so today our kids are in joined with us. So what we like to do is we like to pick up with their curriculum. What we do in our kids' ministry is we teach chronologically. I love the way we do kids' ministry because we start at the beginning of the school year with the beginning of the Bible. By Christmas, they're at Christmas. By Easter, they're at Easter. They get into the New Testament. During the summer, uh, there's sort of topical stuff, and they go through maybe specific things. But when we come back to the next school year, they're going to go all the way through the Bible again, but different stories. So your child can go three years through our kids' ministry, go through the Bible three times, but never hear the same story. Um, until it gets to that fourth year, it'll cycle around again. So uh, let me catch you up, uh, because if we're going to jump into what kids' church is doing, obviously need to catch you up a little bit. So they have a timeline that they use, and so these are some of the lessons they've already done. They talked about creation, right, and God creating the world, and they've talked about Adam and Eve, and this is the fall of man, where they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's where sin started. It's why we have a sinful nature. And then their kids, Cain and Abel, the whole story of a brother, one generation after sin, a brother killing another brother, right? In that whole process, Noah, Noah's Ark. I uh, mean, if you've never had the opportunity to go see the Ark right outside of Cincinnati, make the trip. It's fantastic. Uh, it'll make that story very, very real for you. Uh, then they talked about Abraham, and Abraham made the journey to to come and begin what is God's people and this whole, you know, the whole story, the generation. His son Isaac. You remember God asked him to sacrifice him. Um, and then last minute said, nope, I just wanted to see I was testing your character and I was testing your love and your passion for me. Jacob and Esau, uh, his sons and, and uh, the hairy dude there. I, I like that depiction. That's kind of cool. Mr. Harry. Um, and then uh, Joseph. Um, so this is just kind of what we're seeing is this pattern of what is it that God is, is doing and seeing God as one story. Uh, God's story. We are just the next today. It's just the next step in God's story. And, and we want to help our kids to understand that. So Moses and the Ten Commandments and the people coming out of, of Egypt, right? And that whole process. And then today, we are at something called the tabernacle. The tabernacle. And the tabernacle is something that God had them build. And it was a place where God's presence would dwell. Let me show it to you in Exodus 25, 8 and 9. It says, then... Have them make a sanctuary for me. That's a, that's a place for God to, to, to dwell, a place for Him to be. Make that sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. I want you to hear those words because God wants to have intimate relationship with each one of us. That is the desire, I believe, of His heart. 
that he wants a relationship. He wants a communion. He, he wants this. And, and, and so this whole big story, we're watching all the chaos that goes on around us. What it really boils down to is there's a creator in the universe who wants intimate relationship with you. That intimate relationship has been broken, right? So Jesus comes to bring that relationship back and that's all he wants. He wants that intimate relationship and that as you live your life, you bring glory to him and he blesses and loves on you. And that's, that's his desire. So, so this is a, this is, this is a physical representation actually of the desire of God, right? And then it goes on, make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. I highlighted that word pattern because here's what I believe about the tabernacle. I believe the tabernacle is a pattern of how to approach God, of how they would approach God. Like, listen, prayer, which which is a part of approaching God, is not as much about moving God towards us or informing God of what's going on. Have you ever thought about how kind of silly that is? Like I was thinking about it the other day. We start going, God, do you know this is going on? And would you fix that? And this and that. Like, like we are God's anchor man. Like, like we're informing him of the news, like he doesn't already know it, right? That, that's really not what it's about. What, what is it about? Prayer is about moving towards him, right? It's, 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 it's not God who needs to move towards us. He is always present. It's us in our hearts that need to move towards him. How many of you know that there is a process to intimacy, right? For those of you who are married, you don't just jump into intimacy, <laughs> right? Like, like there's a little bit of a process there. You don't just jump into an intimate friendship. There's a process. It has to be built. And, and I would say this to you. There's a process to finding intimacy with God. And I believe the tabernacle is a pattern of how you might do that. Like think about, you know, we, we run in and we come to God in prayer or we come and we try to, we come to church or we open our Bible. But we're in a hurry, right? Like most of the time, anybody else like me, I don't know what it is about Mike, but I'm in a hurry when I'm not in a hurry. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like I'm not in a hurry. I don't have anything on the schedule, but I'm like, come on, people drive. And you know, like when I'm moving and I got to do this, we're in a hurry. When we come hurriedly into prayer, God, please help do this, you know, this and that. And then we go, I didn't even feel him. The, the, The struggle and the issue is there is, can you just force intimacy? Can, can you just snap your fingers and have intimacy of relationship? And when we think about it with other people, we go, of course not. You can't force that. It takes time. There's a bit of a, a process. There's, there's, there's an investment, right? I, I believe quality comes from quantity, right? That, that we get to that intimate place when we've put some quantity in, when we've put some time in. And so what I want to show you this morning is while we're studying this tabernacle that our children have learned about that God gave them as, as a place for God to dwell and for them to meet with God, what's interesting about this tabernacle, and this is kind of what it would have looked like um, out in the desert, is, is sort of a depiction of it. What's interesting about this tabernacle is there are there's, there's steps to what is inside of the backside of this tent? So there would have been a veil in the middle of this tent. You don't see it right now. But there's, there's a veil in the middle here. And the backside of that was called the Holy of Holies. It was the presence of God. It, it was, man, some of us have had that moment where you've been in God's presence. Where it was just, 
whoa, <laughs> right? Like, wow, I, I don't know how to describe it. I feel it. I know God's here. That, that's God's presence. But what I want to show you about the tabernacle is there's a process that they went through before they would approach intimate presence of God. And I believe it's a pattern that we can look at today. Look at Exodus 33 and 11. Inside the tent of meetings, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one who speaks to a friend. I believe that's God's desire for you. I believe God wants to meet with you and speak to you face to face as one who speaks to a friend. But I also believe that we're in such a hurry that we don't come and approach it from a standpoint of intimacy. So what do we do? We end up doing the whole vending machine God. Right. I come running up and I just want to punch the right buttons to get what I want out of it. I want to say the right words to get what I want out of him, as opposed to understanding. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is not this is not just a a come and beg relationship. This is an intimate friendship. This is a relationship that God is trying to have for each one of us. And I believe one of the things that we learn from the tabernacle is how to approach God in a way that ends with intimacy or his presence. Now, interesting, there are seven steps uh, that we're going to look at. Seven steps, six pieces of furniture that are part of the tabernacle as we go through that. So so let's let's look at this. Let's, let's look at the tabernacle kind of as a big picture and from a standpoint of each one of the pieces. Now, if you just started out here, this is the out, this is called the outer court, right? This is called the outer court. So this would be the first step. Here's what I would say. If you're going to approach God, ending with a place of his presence and intimacy, it's always going to begin with giving thanks and praise. It's always going to begin. Oh, don't come running in. God, I need this and fix that. And, you know, Aunt Betty this and my cat's got a hair lip and whatever, like whatever issue that we've got going on. Wait, wait. Enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise, the word says, right? And so as we enter the outer court, if we're going to begin to approach God, can I suggest that you start with praise? Can I suggest that you don't just come, gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy, um, you know, kind of prayer mode that we get into. And so, so thanks and praise. Thanks for what he has done. Praise for who he is. Thanks for what he's done. God, thank you for the things that you protected me and you keep me out and, and, and you continue uh, to, to, to allow me to have the job I have and the house I have. And I just give you thanks and praise for who he is. You're a good God and, and you're great and you have everything in the palm of your hand. You're, what am I doing in that process? I'm not moving God towards me. I'm moving me towards God. I'm reminding myself of what he's done, right? I'm reminding myself of who he is. Look at Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul, in all my innermost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not his benefits, right? I praise, why? Because I need to not forget. Like This is a reminder for me. As I would begin to enter the outer courts, so to speak, of approaching God's presence, that it would be with praise. Look at this. Who forgives all of our sins. God, thank you for forgiving my sins. Once again, I just... I do it every day. I sin every day. I have, I have raunchy thoughts. I, I'm rude when I'm driving the car. 
you know, I'm, I'm rude at home because I'm tired from the day and then I say things I shouldn't have said. Thank you for forgiving me. I said, heals all of your diseases. God, I'm not where I want to be, but I sure am not where I used to be. Thank you for healing hurts in my heart and things within my family and dysfunctional. But thank you for changing and healing me to where I live life differently from things that have happened in my life or things, bad choices I've made. Who redeems your life? He redeems. Thank you, God, that you redeem those things. Right from the pit and, and, and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. So we begin if, if we're going to approach God and, and we want to find his presence and we want to feel that intimacy. It's going to begin like we're taught there in the tabernacle in the outer court with praise and thanksgiving. All right, now let's talk about the first piece of furniture that's inside of the tabernacle. So what you're going to see on this is kind of all the pieces at once. But I wanted to give you an idea because we're looking at this as a process, right? To get to, how do we get to a place where we feel God's presence? How do we get to a place where we feel intimacy with God? And then, and, 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 and this is the outer court, right? And then you would have come to this thing called the brazen altar. That's number two, first piece of furniture we're looking at. And listen to me, this is where animal sacrifices would have happened. Why is that significant for that to be right there? You come through, God, thank you. I give you praise. I remember what you've done and who you are. And then now, ooh, gross. There would have been blood, right? There, there, it would have been a bit graphic, why, why, why would that be the scenario? Well, they walk past something and they say, that would be alive if I hadn't have done what I did. What is it? It's a focus on the cross. It's a stop for a moment and humble myself and recognize the only reason I can begin to approach the presence of God or have intimacy with him is because of what Jesus did on the cross. And because of what I did, there had to be a sacrifice, right? Look at this Isaiah 55 and 3. He was pierced for our transgressions. What does that mean? We transgress. That means we go too far. You overstep, right? You transgressed. You overstep. And usually that's what we do, right? We do something to transgress. Interestingly enough, he was pierced. Where was he pierced? In his hands. Why? Because that's the things we do. We use our hands to do things in that whole process. He was crushed for our iniquities. What's an iniquity? It's not a sin. It's actually a state of your soul, right? Or what we would call your heart. Interesting. How was he crushed? They put a spear through and pierced his heart and crushed his heart. Why? What is that? That's symbolic of the fact that he, when he did this, he took care of the hurt and the iniquity inside of your soul. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. What did they put on him? They put a crown on him. Why would they put a crown on his head? Well, because it's within our mind that we struggle with peace. Are you starting to put the picture together here? Right? He was, he was pierced for our transgressions, for what I've done. He was crushed for our iniquities, the state of my soul, which is sinful. His was crushed that that might be forgiven. And then he took a thorn of crowns. Why? So that you and I could have peace in our mind. And by his wounds, we are healed. What does that mean? The nail? gives us freedom from our past and what we've done. The spear, freedom in our heart, right? The crown, freedom in my mind. God, thank you that you give me peace. The whip, freedom in my body. So before I ever begin to try to approach God, I've got to remind myself 
what he has done. I've got to remind myself who I am without the cross. Right? That's the whole idea of, of having there the, the sacrifice right there. After you enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise, it's, wow, now I'm humbled because I realize what has happened to me and what he's done on the cross. After they walk past this, they would have experienced something there that, that's called the, the uh, laver, the laver here, right? And the laver was all made out of mirrors. And you know how when you look down in the water anyway, you can sort of see your image, but it was made of mirrors so you could look at yourself. Right? Why? Uh, well, because we've come in with Thanksgiving. We focused on what the cross is. And now I'm going to be honest with myself. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to be honest with who I am. I'm going to understand the humility that has to come. Uh, and, and, and now it's about washing. Right? Now I choose. I, I want to be clean. Right? We say it this way here at Church of the Lakes. I want to find freedom. Right, I, I want to be cleansed from those things, um, and so I I go through what it means for me to be holy in that process. Look at Romans twelve and one. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, remember we just walked past that sacrifice altar. Remember what Jesus did on the cross. In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, that your true and proper worship. Right. So, what are we doing? We're trying to approach. An intimate God's presence, right? Not just some kind of a run in and jump on Santa Claus's lap and say, give me this and give me that and run out. Um, but I, w- I want to experience God's presence. I think it requires this process, right? As, as we go through this. Now, now we're going to, we're going to move into the tent, right? And inside the tent here, remember I said there's a veil that covers and there's a first room. The first room is, is, is called the holy place. And one of the first things that you would experience within the, the holy place, and this is the next piece of furniture, is the candlestick. The candlestick has, has oil that is burning all the time. And what the candlestick represents is the Holy Spirit. Right? That we would say, now I invite you, Holy Spirit. Why? Because the, the word says this. The word says, the Holy Spirit will pray for you when you don't know what to pray. When you don't know how to approach God or what to say to God or even what to do next, the Holy Spirit is your guide. He's your counsel, right? Let me say it this way. I've got some talents. I've got some abilities that Mike has, but it's not enough, right? I need the power of the Holy Spirit working within me. So look at Isaiah 11, 2 and 3. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. All right, well, if the Spirit of the Lord rests on him, then what happens within him? The Spirit of wisdom. Anybody need wisdom? You got any decisions you need to make? You got any thoughts about your future, what you're doing right now with your kids, with your family, with your finances, uh, trying to sell your house, not sell your house? I mean, whatever it is, do you need some wisdom? Yeah, that's that's what happens when the Holy Spirit is is involved and we invite him in. Right. And of understanding. Goodness gracious. There are times when I need understanding the spirit of counsel and of might. I cannot tell you how many times people have come in and said, Pastor Mike, I need a little bit of pastoral care. I need some advice or some thoughts. And they start talking. And the whole time I'm t- they're talking, I'm going, I have no idea what to say to this person right now. And then all of a sudden I just say, Holy Spirit, you know, take charge here. And I start saying, and as I'm talking, I'm thinking, I should write this down. This is good. <laughs> right. Because. Because it's not Mike, right? Because it's he'll give you the spirit of counsel and of might, right? The spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, right? The, 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 the understanding fear is not that I cower. Fear is awe and reverence. 
is it that we are, are approaching God so haphazardly without fear, without awe, reverence, that maybe that's why we're not experiencing his presence? Maybe that's why we don't feel that intimacy with him. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his, with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. Come on, y'all. Like there's a mess going on around us and we react. And then later on we learn the rest of the story and we go, oh, oh, okay. Right? Like, but, but that the Holy Spirit wants to do that, right? Galatians 5 and 22, the fruit of the Spirit. If you've got the Spirit operating in you, love, joy, peace, forbearance, that's patience, Woo. kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like When he's operating in you, these things are going to come out because it's a fruit of him being a part of who you are. 1 Corinthians 14 and 1, follow the way of love, eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, right? Especially prophecy. Let me say it to you this way. I don't want to be a good mic. I want to be full of the Holy Spirit. Right, you, you can be a good version of you, but it's nothing like what it means when the Holy Spirit is operating and you are cooperating with Him to do whatever it is that He's calling you to do. All right, next next piece of furniture that would be in there would would be the table of shoe bread. Let me ask you this: Does anybody like the smell of fresh bread? Ooh, I just messed you up, didn't I? Like you, you might have a hard time listening to the rest of this sermon because you're like, whew, right? Like you go to a bakery and they just finished baking bread. You know, or you go into, like they used to have them in Subway. I would walk into Subway and they would just be finished baking bread. Or maybe your mama bakes bread or somebody in your family bakes bread. Whoo, man, that, that smell. And you just, oh, come on, where is the butter, right? I, I, need, I don't even need a knife. I would just dunk the whole loaf right into the tub, right? Like, and, and it's this, this thing. Well, listen to me. The bread represents the word of God. So here's what I would say to you. When you're trying to approach and have intimacy with God. You, you're going to start in the outer courts with thanksgiving. You're going to focus on the cross and remind yourself who you are. You're going to then say, I commit to, to be holy and consecrate myself as I wash in the labor. Now I'm going to enter into the holy place and say, Holy Spirit, I need you to interact with me as I approach God in this. And then I'm going to pick his word up. I'm going to pick his word up and I'm going to say, Jesus, speak to me. Right, Give me a revelation. Let me hear something from you. Look at Matthew 4 and 4. Jesus answered, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Why do we always talk about reading our Bible, reading our Bible, reading our Bible? It's not to make an angry God appeased. It is that you might, like like a freshly warm bread, I'm making myself hungry, um, like that you would just go, I just, I need, like, I need to taste that, right? I, I need to have, and that's the way that we would approach. And we, when we approach God's word, looking for him in it, we are approaching him. We're moving towards him in this process. The next piece of furniture would have, would have been here. And it's the small box and it's the altar of incense. And it represents worship. It represents worship. Let me, let me suggest you could do all of these steps in a fairly short amount of time. You might want to create this as a pattern of how you do a devotional time or a quiet time. What would it look like for you to start with Thanksgiving? What would it look for you to just to take a, you know, 30 seconds and remember the cross and go, wow, I can't believe you did that. Because of what I did. That wouldn't have had to happen if it wasn't for me. And because of that, I'm going to step up to the laver to wash my hands and go, 
okay, God, I, I want to be holy. I want to be yours. But now I'm going to step in to the candlestick and say, Holy Spirit, would you come and empower me to do these things that I'm saying I desire to do, but I'm a sinner in that process. So now I'm going to open up God's word and say, now, Holy Spirit, make it come alive. Let it speak to me in that process that I might hear and understand. And then when I get a little revelation, maybe I pick up my phone. Maybe I you know, go over to whatever it is and turn on some worship and turn on a song. And raise your hands and give him the honor and the glory that's due his name. Let me tell you something. I feel the presence of God talking about this process. That's the desire that God has is for us to approach him in this process that we might have intimacy. And when you, when you worship Psalm 29 and 2, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Now let's go back to the illustration. There's a veil here in the original tabernacle. But when Jesus died on the cross, what the word tells us is the veil was torn in two. What does that mean? That means now you and I have access. But what I want to, what I want to submit to you is access doesn't mean complete intimacy. I think the pattern still stands even though the veil is open. Does that make sense? Right? Yeah. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You, you rush into reading your Bible or doing, you just kind of rushing, doing it, and you're like, eh, I don't know if I'm, and then doubt sets in. Like, is there really God? And am I really getting anything out of this? And, you know, like, why is that? Because we're not feeling intimacy. Because we're not giving it the process. We're not giving it the quantity, the quality Right? And we're not giving it the quantity to get to the quality. We're not, we're not giving it an effort as much as we're just hurrying into it. So if we're going to get past this veil and step into what is called the Holy of Holies, um, then, then, then what of your process? What is your process? And I would say this to you, instead of calling it a quiet time, why don't you start to refer to it as my process to approach God? What would that look like? Would that maybe change your, your psychology or your thought pattern a little bit? Because the goal is, is to get into here where, number seven, the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. This represents the presence of God. It is His desire that you would be in His presence. And not just once here and once there. And He desires your presence daily. He desires your presence and, and, and he wants you to feel the intimacy of his presence. So here's the question. If you go through this process and you get to this place and you're in his presence, what do you do in his presence? What do you do in that place? Well, there's actually a verse that answers it. Look at first Timothy two and one through two. I urge you then, first of all, so first of all, the first thing that you might do, what would be a priority that petitions, prayers, and intercession and thanks be made for all people. In other words, we don't run to the presence of God for just us. Because when we're in the presence of God, we got all we need. Right? When you find that intimacy and that presence with God, you have everything you need. When you find it, why are you there? Well, I'm talking about everybody who's not. Right? I'm coming to God and saying, God, 
But I'm out there. This is what's going on. And what does it say? For kings and all those in authority. God, I'm bringing you my president. And I'm bringing you the cabinet. And I'm bringing you the governor. And I'm bringing you local officials and, and all these. God, would you do something? Because out there is kind of crazy. In here is awesome. <laughs> right? I'm so enjoying this, this time, like this intimacy and this presence. But what do we do? We bring that. That they may live peaceful, quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Man, I hope that through this today and in, in this short teaching that you understand God so desires to have intimacy with you. And the tabernacle that our kids learned about today is really just a pattern. It's a pattern in how we might not just rush in, then not feel anything, then have doubt and excuse away God. But that we understand that any relationship that we're going to have intimacy in requires a process. I just want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to try it. I want to challenge you to try Maybe using the tabernacle and this approach as a way for you doing your quiet time or your time with God so that you could see what it's like to approach God and maybe experience God in the way he actually intends for, for you to experience him. So let me, let me pray for you today as you consider how this plays out in your life. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this reminder that you want intimacy and you want to appro- uh, have us approach you. Forgive us, God. We repent of being rushed. We repent of just running in and, and, and trying to grab a golden nugget or something. But this is really about relationship. So God, would you show us how we could put this into play in each of our own lives? Show us how we might walk through this because God, we desire to be in your presence. We desire to have real relationship with all this other craziness going around us and religion going on around us. Uh, This is about relationship with you that we might approach you um, to find to find just your presence. And and God, in this moment that I feel your presence right now, I take a moment to pray for those who are not those who are out there struggling in this world and have not experienced your presence and have not felt your presence. God, as we go on with our day today, would you give us, Holy Spirit, the words and how to love how to serve, that we might point people towards the relationship that you desire to have with them. God, thank you for this word today. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Love you guys. Have a fantastic week. Thanks for joining us today. We would love to help you on your next steps. Please visit cotlakes.com. Join us weekly as we continue to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in our community.